0: Om This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yogavidya Bad Meinberg, near Hanover in Germany. If you knew that you you existed forever, would you worry about anything? Would you worry about death? No, you would huh? what's to worry nothing can destroy you nothing can affect you nothing can change you you're fine you're eternally present and existent that's what he's saying so we got a bit of a disconnect here don't we between Arjuna and Krishna (laughs) their their vision of reality is quite different Hmm? they're not on the same page Because he's going to give several reasons now. I'm going to keep explaining. Because those those who live in a body experience birth, childhood, youth, old age, and the gaining of another body, it is foolish to grieve. Okay, that's a good reason. Hmm. Because even if you think they are dying, uh, even if you think what—that they're going to be gone—they're going to be gone anyway, aren't they? Huh? Anybody who what—who lives in a body—and the—and you, you don't live in a body; the body lives in you. But he's saying here that anybody who lives in a body goes through this whole process, all these changes, they're, they're as good as gone. When you come here, you're as good as gone. Huh? Isn't that right? Why? Because you, when you're born, you're actually di- dead. You don't know when it'll be, and you definitely will die one day, so What does it matter if it's today or tomorrow or the next day or yesterday? What does it matter when you die? You're going to die anyway. So, on that account, take it easy. Stop worrying about it. Understand? Sense contacts give rise to the ever-changing sensations of heat and cold, pleasure and pain. you have no choice but to experience them. Only a respectable person unaffected by pleasure and pain is fit for liberation means he's saying what is he saying right away you're not you're not you're not fit for liberation because you're one big emotional mess. Huh? I, I, I did, I did I don't know if I don't think there's probably any most any of these modern teachings that tell you that you're not fit for liberation. Because if they told you you weren't fit for liberation, you wouldn't go there, would you? Why would you stay there if, if huh? You stay there, be, and they keep telling you, yeah, you can get liberated. Just stay here longer. Do my technique. Blah, surrender to me. Blah blah blah. Huh? They won't tell you that you're an emotional mess and you need to do some work first before, huh? So he's telling Arjuna, he says, you're you're so emotional. He, he, Arjuna just said, my senses are so confused now. Actually, nothing has happened, but his, his whole emotional complex and his senses are completely confused. He's dazed. What? Simply because of the idea of death. And he's, huh? And not even his own death. He's not worried about his own death. That's the interesting thing. He's worried about the death of somebody else. So just the very idea that you're going that you can be that you can die <coughs> is a huge problem for most people. Why why do you work so hard here in life? So fast? Why does everybody run so fast? If you think about it, it's because you need to you know you're going to die and you need to get do as many things as you can before you die. <laughs> and yeah, at at 78 years old I asked my mother, "Are you ready to die, mother?" She said, "No." And I said, uh, "Well, why not?" She said, "I need at least 5 more years." <laughs> I said, Five more years, why do you need five... My mother was fine. There was nothing wrong. She had a great life. She was comfortable, secure, healthy. Everything was fine. Right? She'd done everything she needed to do. She was a respectable person. She'd, she'd succeeded in everything she'd done. I need five more years. Five, only five. I said, why? So said, I've got so many things I have to do before I die. So she was like, you know, at 78, just out there cranking out, doing all her stuff, you know, because... She wanted to do it all before she was going to die. <clears throat> so, what is unreal? What does this mean? What is unreal? The idea of death. Death is unreal. Is there any evidence that you die? Would anybody care to give me some evidence that they die? I mean, something that would, would convince me that there's death. You see? Nobody, why please, please raise your hand. Tell me, give me some good reason to believe that I die. You can't, can you? Because there is no evidence that you die whatsoever. Death is purely what? A belief. It's an opinion. It's a belief. It's unsupported by evidence. Now if you say... Normally you'll say yes. Normally a person will say yes. Why, why will a person say yes? And what will they mean by I if they say yes? The body. The body. But isn't the body dead already? Well, if, if you don't, yes it is. The answer is yes. The body's dead already. And the body's not you. The body's dead already means what? What does that mean? It means the body's made out of meat, matter. Doesn't it? Isn't the body made out of food? When you eat it, it's it's dead, isn't it? When you eat the food, the food is dead. Even when it seems to be alive, it's dead because it's just matter. It's just air, fire, water, earth, and that's it. Matter's not living. Matter doesn't live. Matter's inert. It's, this is matter. The body is the same degree of reality as the chair. So the body's already dead. That's one reason. And another reason is what? The body's an object known to me, which means it can't be me, can it? So if you say, I die, I'm sorry. That just doesn't fly. That's not a reason meaning the body. If you say that if I identify with the body, that's not a reason. The I means I means consciousness. Existence consciousness. We we discussed this last night. That's what the I is, that's what you are. And there's no evidence whatsoever that consciousness and existence was ever born. Is there If, if consciousness was born, reality would have to be a duality, wouldn't it? There'd have to be somebody there to witness the birth of consciousness, wouldn't there? To witness your birth. But there's nobody there to witness your birth, is there? The birth of consciousness, you. That's why the scripture says you are unborn. You are not born. If you're not born, you can't die, can you? It's impossible if you're not born to die. Only things that are born die. All birth and death takes place here. And even the birth and death that takes place here is, no, is only apparent birth and apparent death. Actually, nothing really changes here at all. We'll see how that works as we enter into this text. So, it, the idea of birth and death huh, is purely an idea. And we're going to what? We're going to remove that, that doubt. See, it's a fundamental doubt. It's a big doubt, isn't it? In fact, it wasn't a doubt, was it? <laughs> you always thought it was true that you died. But we're saying it's not true. You don't die. People who know who they are do not die. We'll explain. You'll see. What is is unreal does not exist. What is real never ceases to exist. Real means what is always present and doesn't change was never born and never dies. That's what real means. This knowledge will set you free. Then why does it look like, why does it look like I die? Why do I think that I die? Because of maya. Maya is called sat asat Vyakshanam. It means something other than what's real and what isn't real. What's real and what is, what is unreal. It's something other than what exists and something other than what doesn't exist. And he said, understanding this idea will set you free. Understanding the relationship between what exists eternally, you, awareness, and what? And this body-mind entity that appears in you is freedom and you will see uh, if you understand this idea that there's no what conflict between these two I explained it more simply uh, or simply last night when I gave the example of a man dreaming a bright light in a dark room The, the The bright light is real for the man, isn't it? He's there dreaming a bright light. That's a reality for him. And the dark room is another reality, isn't it? It's another dimension. And that dark room doesn't cover the light for the man, does it? Even though the room is completely dark, the light that this man is seeing is not what? Hidden by the darkness. And think about it the light doesn't remove the darkness. Now, normally, if there's a light in a dark room, what? The, The darkness will be removed, or there'll be a glow. And then there will be dark and it. But in this case, there's no what? The dark doesn't affect the light. And the light doesn't affect the dark, does it? So there's no conflict between the objects that present themselves to you and what? And the awareness of those objects. The existent awareness, because of which the objects appear. Which means what? The objects that you that you experience are they real? No. Why not? Because they don't last, do they? Are they unreal? Like the hair like a, the antlers on a butterfly, horns on a butterfly. That's really unreal, isn't it? Butterflies don't have horns coming out of their heads. The unreal like that? No, but why? They're not non-existent. Why? Why is that? The objects are not non-existent. Why? Very. The, many of the modern teachings tell you that the objects are non-existent. Huh? You don't exist. Your body doesn't exist. The world doesn't exist. There's no teacher. Teacher doesn't exist. The student doesn't exist. There's no ignorance. Ignorance doesn't exist. They're like that, so forth. They talk like this. But these objects exist well enough, don't they? Why? Why do we know that they... Why do we know that objects exist? Because we experience them. (laughs) If they don't exist, you can't experience them, can you? You can't experience your body unless it exists. But your body is not what? Real, is it? And your body is just one of the many objects. If your body isn't real, no object is real. If your mind isn't real, then no object is real. It doesn't mean it's non-existent, does it? Your feel, yeah, your feelings exist, but do they last? Huh? Well, they don't last, do they? They appear, and they disappear. That's what not real means. We call that apparently real. They seem to be real, but they're not actually real. They're seemingly existent. A good example would be a Fata Morgana. You know the Fata Morgana? Europeans use that word, we call it mirage in English, but a Fata Morgana. Is a Fata Morgana real? If you see water on the desert, there's no water there, but you see water there. Is that water real? No, it's not real, is it? It's, it exists it is experienceable. You can experience it as water. But if you try to drink it, can you drink it? It's apparently real. If something is apparently... When when you see water on a desert, and you go to where that water was, is the desert been wetted? Is the desert wet? Say it takes you half an hour to get to the water, and it's a hot day, then you look and you say, oh, there were, at least the sand would be wet, wouldn't it, on the desert? But the sand isn't wet at all, is it? Why not? Because there was no connection between the sand and the water. The water was superimposed, was projected onto the sand. These objects that you experience, your feelings, your thoughts, the physical objects and all those things are projected by Maya, on the screen of your awareness. On you. And they're sitting there, they look like they're very real, because why? Because consciousness awareness is shining light on them, through them. And so they seem to be attractive and real. They seem to be beautiful and novel and sexy and juicy and attractive and wonderful or scary or whatever or horrible and evil and dim, dark and so forth and so on they they seem to be very very real because of their association with consciousness with you but they're not real at all they are just what like a movie, they're projected on the screen. And what? And when the movie, when the, the movie is over and they turn off the projector, the light in the projector, what happens to the movie? Poof. But what happens to the poof, it goes. But what happens to the screen? Remains the same. There's not one trace on that movie screen of the movie at all, is there? The self, you, are satya. Satya means you exist. And your existence doesn't change. You don't, huh? And what? And your body and your mind are called mitya. They depend, mitya means dependent reality. This is a dependent reality. The whole world of objects depends for its existence on awareness. But awareness, you don't depend upon any objects. You're satya, you're free, you're independent, and your body, mind, and the world around you are what? Mitya, they seem to be real. Maya is so clever, it is so amazing. It makes it look so beautiful and so wonderful and so real that you're fooled by it. And that's why you chase things in Maya. Because Maya, the self the the ignorance of the self, Maya, what does it do? It hides yourself. Apparently. It cuts yourself off. It's like a, a wall between you. This is you, the subtle body. It's like a wall between you and yourself, and what happens? It keeps the light from shining on you, or seemingly keeps the light from shining on you. And so you what? You don't see yourself. You don't. You can't see yourself. You experiencing yourself all the time. Couldn't you couldn't you didn't we experience ourselves this morning in the meditation? That was yourself experiencing. That was your existence, your awareness. Did you notice how it was solid and peaceful and present and how it didn't change when your thoughts changed? how it wasn't affected by the sounds, the silence. Huh? You're, did you notice that? Yeah, in meditation like that, that yeah, that's what you're experiencing when your mind is still. You experience yourself. But maya, what? Pushes your mind out. And you see beautiful, sexy, incredible, scary all sorts of objects, and you assume that those objects can what? Complete you. And they're nothing more than Fatah Morganas, they're not real. You don't chase objects because you think they're unreal, do you? You you chase objects because you think those objects are real. But have you ever got an object that lasted forever? There is not one object that you ever achieved or attained that lasts forever. In fact, you know very well, even though you would like the objects that you value to last forever, you know very well that every one of those objects is going to disappear one day, don't you? This is a, a difficult to accept. Arjuna, you're going to see. And So Krishna says, what does he say about this knowledge? He says, you, he's, he's, when he says I, he says I and you never cease to exist. Who is he speaking as? As awareness, as consciousness, as the self. He's, and he's addressing Arjuna as the self also, isn't he? And he's seeing all the other beings that are there also as the self, isn't he? That's why he said they never cease to exist. Because what's he seeing? What's his vision? He has non dual vision. And he sees everybody as what? As existent eternal consciousness. And there he's saying, hey, stop worrying, man. Huh? Those people, everything there is fine. There's no need to worry. And everything in this plane is going is as good as dead. Now, you can't say that the, Mara, the fata morgana is what? Non-existent. But you can say that it's as good as non-existent. Why? Why can you say, huh? Because it has no effect on what? On you it has no effect. Just like the water, the mirage doesn't make the sand wet. Does the wave in any way affect the ocean? Okay. What is this? Or what is this here? It's a chair. (laughs) The wise people wise people don't see. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah that's Yeah, that's fine, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> okay. What is this? You say this is a chair. Right? I say it's not a chair. I say it's wood. You say you see a chair, but I say this, you, you, experience, you see wood. Okay, where is the chair now? Let's see if we can find the chair. Shall we, shall we do an investigation to see what this is? Shall we inquire into this and see if it's a chair or see if it's wood? If, if the chair is different from the wood, if the chair is different or separated or different from the wood, then we should be able to remove the chair and weigh the chair, put it on a scale, and then subtract the weight of the chair from the weight of the wood. Right? If it has a separate existence. So, let's say the chair weighs 10 kilos. Or, or the wood weighs, let's say the wood, whatever it is. Let's take the, let's, this object, we'll just call it an object, weighs 10 kilos. Now let's subtract the chair and put it on the scales. How much, how much will the, the wood weigh? 9.6 kilos, 5.2 kilos, 7.1 kilos. it will weigh 10 kilos, won't it? I've removed the chair from the wood, and yet the wood remi- it stays exactly the same, doesn't it? Not one thing has actually changed when I take away the chair, has it? I can take that 10 kilos of wood and I can make a picture frame, or a door, or a little window. I could many things. The wood won't the wood you cannot destroy even if you grind it all up into sawdust you can put it back together and make something else out of it Where is the chair? Can you, I, I can't find it I only see wood The chair is satya The chair is what? Only a name and a form that's given to wood. There is no chair here apart from the name and the form. What about, I've got a gold ring. You got a gold ring. What, what part is the, is the ring and what part's the gold? If I melt down the gold and I make a a necklace out of it, has the gold disappeared? Has the gold changed? No, the gold's just the same. It's just what? Appears in a different form. So there's this power in, in your mind, in everybody's mind, this power, what, to... Project objects onto yourself that confuses you with the objects because you see, where's where's the chair and where's the wood? Well, huh? Okay, how about this? Oh, here's another one. I can see, this is a hard, I know, I understand. This is a hard thing to understand. What do you see? What do you see? See a hand. Does everybody see a hand? Yeah, but there's something else you see. What else do you see? Tell me. There's one more thing. What is it? Light. Light. If there's no light reflected on this hand, can you see the hand? Can you? You can, can you? So you see two things. You see light and you see a hand. That's your experience. You actually experience light in the hand. But what do you say when I raise this hand? Nobody said I see light in the hand. And you should say light first. Why? Why should you say light first? Because you can't see the hand without the light. The hand depends upon the light for its existence. It's uh, it's mitya it depends upon the hand Satya. The hand is the light is real. the hand is what an object appearing in it. Now you see glasses. No, you see glasses and light. the light is constant but the glasses what have changed. So every object that you see comes with the subject you. There is no object that can exist anywhere, at any place, at any time that is free of you. You're what's real. You give light, existence, to what? To every object. You're what's real. The objects are apparently real. We make it very clear that the objects are not non-existent. The Buddhists say, oh, there's such a thing as nothingness. There's a lot of spiritual people who do this analysis of objects, and they remove all the objects, and then they say there's just a void. There's no object. So they say there's nothingness. These are called the Shunyavadi Buddhists. And there's still, that idea is still here today. It's always present. People think that the absence of objects is the absence of everything, that there there is such a thing as emptiness or nothingness. But that's not possible, is it? Why? Because awareness, consciousness is always present. And we know that. Why do we know that? Because if there is nothingness, then, and nothingness is real, then we won't know it, will we? Because there'll be no one there to know it, will there? If it, if nothingness, if there's no, if if there's non-existence, then who's there to know it? If it's not there, how can it know anything? If it's not present, how can it know anything? So when there is nothing, what? There is something always. And that something is you. Awareness. Consciousness. So it's it's impossible that there be nothing. It doesn't happen. It never happened. It never will happen. Understand? Understand? And Krishna says, Vedanta says, what? Understanding this fact, understanding this relationship between the self, existent awareness, you, and what? And the objects that present themselves to you, understanding the the dependent, independent relationship of those two, is moksha, is liberation why is that because the objects in no way what change you the subject because why they're in different orders of the same reality does the chair in any way change the wood affect the wood The chair has absolutely no impact on the wood. Does the wave change the nature of the ocean? No. Does any, any jewelry you make out of gold change the nature of the gold? No. So anything that happens to you, anything you experience as an object, right, ha- does not change or modify you if you understand that that's called self knowledge that's called moksha it's called freedom if you understand that you don't need any more vedanta that, that <laughs> that's that's why we gives it in the beginning because the people who are qualified can go <laughs> you can go and since you since you Since, you you know, you got it so quickly, you don't even have to make a donation. Well, you don't have to make a donation. (laughs) You don't have to make a donation anyway, because having to make a donation means it's not a donation, right? (laughs) So, huh? That's why he tells it right at the beginning. Some people understand that very clearly. Very rare. Immediately. And thank God that we don't get it, you know, because otherwise we're not going to get to enjoy this wonderful scripture. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest of the text from this point on is what? Is about what you can do to realize this, to make this knowledge firm. There, there's not going to be, you're not going to get any new knowledge. There's nothing to know about yourself right now, other than you are eternal, unborn, ever-present existence consciousness. That you don't die, you were never born, that you're always free. And that this world that you see, that you take to be real, is not actually real. It's experienceable, yes. It exists, yes, but it's not real. And when you know that this world is not real, you will not pursue objects in this world to what? To get satisfaction or happiness. You only pursue the objects in this world because you think they're real. The love, the money, the security, the pleasure, the power... All of those things that you chase, you only chase them because you think they're real. And when you understand that, what? They're only apparently real, that they don't last, they can't provide you with the satisfaction that you need, then what do you do? You become, you're totally indifferent to the objects in this world. And that's why he says here, then you don't get, you don't get, you don't grieve. You don't get, you don't feel sorrow, so, shoka it's called. You don't feel pain and suffering. You don't suffer anymore. The most wonderful things don't get you all excited and the most awful things don't make you feel terrible. You know, it's just not real. It's just all a Fatima, Ghana. There's nothing you can do about anything. So, this is what moksha is. You can't change awareness, can you? How can you change consciousness, existence, awareness? How how can anybody change that? That's eternal. And you can't do anything here because it's not real, is it? This is why when you understand that, you you end up like Ramana. You end up sitting, you know, in your underwear in your bed, you know, enjoying yourself. (laughs) There's nothing to do. That's the, the, that knowledge, this knowledge, right, is called direct realization. I know, I'm awareness. And that the world's not feeling. What's the next stage after that? The next stage of enlightenment? You know that there's nothing you can do that's going to affect or change you or anything. Because this is real and it can't be changed or affected. And this is unreal, so it can't be changed or affected either. So you relax, man. You take it easy. You have a nice... You enjoy what? The bliss of your nature, anandam, sat. We said you're you're sat, you're existent. Nobody argued with that. You're chit, what? You're conscious, you're aware. Nobody argued with that. Now this knowledge, what? Tells you that you're anandam. You're full of bliss. You're satisfied with yourself alone. You're full and complete. And that knowledge comes about simply by what? Discriminating yourself from the objects that appear in you. And all of our teachings, all of our teachings reveal the same fact. We have many teachings, we come at it from many different angles, but all of them, what, reveal the same truth you're free and the objects what are not real and when that knowledge is firm then you're what then you're permanently free you're free now you're fine right now but and it's, it's easy to get free in these classes huh? it's easy to be huh it's when you step out the door and your your conditioning kicks in mm-hmm and you're not hearing the teaching clearly, then what happens? Then you identify with what? This person and these beliefs and opinions and the objects and your wife and your kids and your job and all your worries and all this stuff starts to come back and your desires start to come back. And then what? Then you get stuck, caught back here. That's all. What time is it? Four thirty. What time do we start? Huh? Four. 3:30. Oh, gee, it seems like it seems like there's no time, doesn't it? <laughs> huh? That's the problem with these Vedanta things. See, where's the time? Huh? This is this is eternity. This is samadhi. It's that feeling, that presence of this peace. Doesn't you feel the peace, the silence? The silence that you, you feel, you experience, that's yourself. You're experiencing yourself. And the objects, where are the objects? Where's your desires? You don't need desires when you're experiencing yourself, when you know yourself. Where's your fears? You're not here in this in the self. I hesitate to call it a state. Because then you'll be trying to get into this state all the time. That's okay too. That's a meditation phase, but right now we're not going to deal with that. We're still talking about karma. We haven't quite got to the karma thing because what do you know what you're going to discover? Arjuna doesn't get it. You can understand why he doesn't get it. Look at his situation. It's not like a nice quiet satsang room in, in Bad Meinberg on a lovely sunny afternoon where where you've you've written off a whole week for Vedanta and you can take it easy. So it's easy to experience yourself and know yourself in this situation. But Arjuna's in the middle of a battlefield, he's in the middle of life. You know, there's, the war is on. The vibrations are there, everything is there and he's not, he's not going to get this. He's going to have some arguments, more arguments with Krishna. And then Krishna's going to give him some, some solutions to the problem. So, anyway, the point is what we start out right from the beginning telling you what enlightenment is. Do you ever notice in these modern teachings how they never really tell you what enlightenment is? Huh? Do you know? Yeah. It's all very vague. They say there is a thing called enlightenment and they say they're experiencing it, but when you actually pin them down to what it actually is, they never tell you. It's very weird. You read all of the books are like that. Somebody just wrote me about Adyashanti. He's a very nice man. He's a very pure man and he's a good man. He's an enlightened man. But has no way to teach this thing because this fellow said, I've been with him for six years and it's always like, it's always like it's something that, that I can't, that's something that's supposed to happen. It's always, huh? It's always like an event that's supposed to happen. He said, I I love the man. He did so much for me. It was so good for me. But he said, I just feel so frustrated. Because I keep waiting for this thing to happen. And he makes it sound like it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. You you are not an event. See, Because these teachers address you as what? As a person caught in time. And they think that what? You're going to get some sort of experience of this thing that's beyond time and bring it down here into this dream world. If you say you're enlightened, huh, you're enlightened only in the dream. It's dream enlightenment. It's not real enlightenment. You can't be enlightened in this dream. You can only have dream enlightenment. And so the gurus, they all tell you that something's going to happen. Yeah, things happen here. This is where things apparently happen. Let's call it apparently happen. Because nothing really happens here. It just looks like it happens here. So they tell you that this thing's going to come down out of the forest state, the transcendental state of beyond 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 like the buddhists right it's going to come down what it's going to descend or descend with the over mind it will descend from its high plane into the human mind when the human mind is ready all this sort of stuff it's not going to come down because it isn't up <laughs> and you're not down either. There's no up and there's no down. There's no time and there's no space. There's only you. Eternal, omnipresent, unborn awareness. That's it. So we have to tell you this from the beginning so you know what the hell you're seeking. What's the point of not of getting you sucking you in Huh? And tell. Oh, you're going to catch a big fish today. I we're going fishing, and but you'll catch a big fish. Maybe not today, but one day you'll catch a big fish because there's big fish in that river. You never saw one of those big fish. He say, "Oh yeah, let's go, let's go. Maybe we'll catch a big fish. Even if you catch a big fish, you won't even know what it is when you get it because you weren't told. Many everybody's experiencing this this themselves all the time, huh?" But, but as soon as they get the knowledge of it, they say, oh, that can't be it. It's too simple. You mean it's just me? You mean this thing that I'm experiencing all the time myself is, is enlightenment? It's me? I, I thought it was some kind of big experience. I thought it was some cosmic orgasm. I thought I was supposed to like... huh? transcend and fly out of this world altogether, and become powerful and beautiful and rich and famous and incredible and all, you know, all those fantasies that they fill you full. And when you discover it's just yourself that you're always experiencing it, what? You say, oh, yeah, that's not right. (laughs) What's wrong with you? What are you talking about? We call it the royal secret because it's hidden in plain sight. We don't have to. Oh, they say, oh no, you see, the rishis, the old guys, they hid this knowledge away. They tucked it away very deep in caves and holy books and special language so nobody can get it. Because it, huh? it's very sacred, it's very holy. Mm. Are you kidding? You can just leave it laying around anywhere and no one will pick it up. It's so common, it's so simple. It's so ordinary, it's so always experienced, and it's so known that you think, oh, that's nothing. And you walk right past yourself. Because you want some big fantastic thing to happen. You want something to change your poor little life, your poor boring little life. You want it to be different. It's not going to be different. So, so we've got to tell you right from the beginning what it is. And then all, all you need to do is what? Remove the ignorance that keeps you from seeing it, from appreciating it. It's just appreciation of yourself. That's all. I did, for the rest of the work is what? Now that I know that I'm what? Eternal awareness, omnipresent awareness, unborn awareness. Now, Then all I have to do is work to get rid of the thoughts in my mind that make me think that what? Enlightenment is some big event that's going to happen. Enlightenment is not an event. It is not something that happens. It apparently happens when ignorance goes. Understand? And it's not a big deal. It's the most ordinary, simple, It's just simple knowledge. Knowledge of what? That I'm real and the world is not. So he says the self, you're going to continue to talk about it. The self, which is not an object of knowledge, it's not an object of knowledge. Is indis- it's not an object of experience. When you when we're having our meditation, we had a nice one this morning. Was it this morning we had one too? Or was it yeah this morning? That was a nice one too, wasn't it? You're not experiencing yourself as an object then, did you know that? You're experiencing yourself as, as a subject. The subject is always experiencing itself. It's just the what? The meditation just cleared away the what, the thoughts. It pushed the thoughts out where you could see them. That's all. That's why the silence came. The peace came. That silence and peace, that fullness, that satisfaction, that the, huh, that bliss that you felt. Huh? It's always present. It's always available. It's always present. the, the meditation just what got rid of the obstruction and what gave you that direct experience of yourself so the self is always experienced it's just not always known for what it is why because what because of this ignorance that we have and the ignorance in the form of these desires and fears so he said the self which is not an object of knowledge he could say an object of experience because it's not an object, it's what? The, ever, the self is the ever-experienced subject. Now tell me when you're not experiencing yourself. Okay? You want to argue? Okay. Here's a chance to argue. Tell me when you're not experiencing yourself. <laughs> no hands go up. That, you know why you can't say? Because you know very well there's never a time when you're not experiencing yourself. And if you think there's a time when you're not experiencing yourself, then what? You simply have the wrong idea of what yourself is. It's, a, it's impossible not to experience yourself. So that's how we don't you know, we don't try to get you to experience yourself because we know you're always experiencing yourself. Now meditation's part of that and we can show you that how to experience yourself, but the experience is not any good really any good apart from the knowledge because the experience is the subject to change, isn't it? If you don't know. If you do know, then you'll see the experience of yourself is never subject to change and you'll quit chasing objects and you'll be happy with yourself. But the reason I'm seeking is because I'm not happy with myself. If you were happy with yourself, you wouldn't be sitting here. (laughs) Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What am I sitting here for? i got nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so. Now listen to this. This is really cool. He says, the self, which is not an object of knowledge, is indestructible, means it doesn't change, even though it lives in dying bodies. So right here, in this dying, this body is dying, isn't it? Do you do they have any questions about that? So I sometimes meet people in India that think that they're, they're I say, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm looking for the... There's a special, like, there's a guy, I know he's somewhere here in South India. He lives in a cave in the mountains, and he's got the secret to immortality. Mm-hmm. He's got all these special herbs and practices that you do, and 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 he, I'm going to get that knowledge from him because I'm, I'm going to live forever. Mm-hmm. It means his body. Mm-hmm. No, wrong. Sorry. I didn't say anything because... Uh, Those kind of people, you could never tell him anything. He's like totally obsessed. He wants to make this body, what? Eternal. Because, huh? So, he said, this body is a dying body, but what? There's something living in it that's eternal. That means everybody, you all know this. That part of yourself that's what? Never changes? Come on. Isn't there? Don't you know about that part of yourself that never changes, that's watched, that's witnessed this whole thing? Huh? Like, if you were this person, if, if you were this body or this person, then what? This body that you are now, what is it? Or this person that you are now? It was another body and another person before, wasn't it? Right? Is, do you have the same body you had 20 years ago? Are you the same person you were 20 years ago? You're not, are you? you it's, it's true, you're not. The body's not the same as 20 years ago, and the person's not the same. You've grown, you've changed, haven't you? Now, if if this body is that body that was there before, is that possible? No. If this person that's here now was the person that's there before, then what? This person here wouldn't know about that person there, would it? Why not? because that person has to stop being that person to become this person doesn't it like like okay you got milk you got milk and 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 you you want to make cheese okay think about this i got milk and i want to make cheese now, I, I put cheese, milk through this process and I get cheese. Fair enough. Can I get the milk back? Can I reverse the process and get the milk back? Can't do it, can I? Doesn't work. That's called a parinama, a transformation. The milk has become the cheese. So the cheese has no memory that it was what? Milk. Yet, yet, you know what you were 10 years ago, what your body was 10 years ago. You know what the person that you were Like 30 years ago, there's nobody here under 30, is there? Okay, that's good, I'm safe. So you all existed 30 years ago. You know what kind of a person you were 30 years ago. Think back. Were you listening to Vedanta 30 years ago? Did you know about Vedanta 30 years ago? No. It's a different person now than was there. That person then, what was that person interested in? Sex, <laughs> <laughs> food, rock, yeah, sex, drugs, rock and roll, or whatever, who knows. What? Yeah. So what? You can't be this person that you think you are, can you? Because that person has become this person, and this person is going to become another person. And what? Well, everything that was here is going to become this. So there's going to be no way to go back and connect to this person. So can this person be real? No. Can this person be real? No. Because it's going to become something else, is it? Yet, now think about this. Yet you know very well, what? That that person, what that person was, what that body was like and the circumstances were 30 years ago. You know all of the circumstances in between then and now. And if, what's your means of knowledge for that? For that, uh, that eternally changing object called the person or the body. What's your knowledge for that? You can't be the person, can it? You can't be the person. Then what's the means of knowledge for that person? Come on. That person, quote-unquote, that person was there then, it's here now, and it's going to be here when this person goes. That person is not a person, that person is what? Consciousness is you. You were there witnessing all of those changes. And did you change? Didn't change. If I changed, I couldn't what? I couldn't what? Witness those changes, would I? I remain what? The non-experiencing witness. In other words, experience doesn't change me. That's what he says. Itself is not subject to change. Experience doesn't change me at all. I witness all the changes that take place in the field of experience. This is a field of experience. Anyone, okay, now he's going to attack the next idea. If, if, you're, if you're awareness, uh, can you do anything? Why not? Cause huh? Because you have no sense organs for one thing. And because there's no there's no way you could do anything, why? Because there's nothing other than you. You can't change anything, you can't go any place, huh? Can you? Because you're non dual, ever existent, unchanging awareness. So how are you going to do anything? And there's no individuality there, is there? There's no doer, ego doer here in awareness, in you. So how are you going to do anything? So he says here. He says, anyone who thinks that the self kills, or that it can be killed, doesn't know the truth. Okay? Arjuna thinks he's going to. He's a killer, right? He thinks he's going to be. He thinks he he may be killed, and he thinks he's going to have to kill somebody. So Arjuna's not taking himself to be awareness, is he? He's taking himself to be the doer. That's called the ego. That's the E on the chart. He thinks he's this ego person. He's very emotional. This is your emotions. And he's not thinking clearly. His intellect is what? He's confused because he's so emotional. Because this idea of death has disturbed him. And he thinks he's going to kill anything. And Krishna says, you're not going to kill anything. How could you? And those people are not going to die. He says, it is not born, so how can it die? It meaning you. He won't say you to Arjuna right away, although he had implied, why not? Because Arjuna thinks he's a person and, and that self is something far away. Arjuna didn't come to our nice meditation, so he can see that the self is always experienced and always present. Arjuna, huh? For Arjuna, it's just it's a lifeline. He needs he needs some way to get out of this issue this problem that he's in. And the only way out of this problem he's got is what? Is self knowledge. That's what Krishna is saying. That's what Vedanta says. The only way out of your emotional situation is to know who you are. That's it. Let's not make it so dramatic. I get, I get excited when I read it. It's so dramatic the way, he, the way the situation. But all it means is, if you've got existential problems, the only way out is what? To understand who you are. Because those problems are not real. They certainly seem to be real when I'm in them. But they're not real at all. And I, they really don't affect me at all. I experience them, but they don't change me or affect me. He said, it isn't born, so how can it die? It is ever-present and not subject to time. When the body dies, it does not die. How can you say that you are a killer if you know the self as it is? Just as a person changes old clothes for new the indweller, here the indweller means consciousness, for the self. The self gives up its old body for a new one, the jiva. It means the jiva, the eternal person. Weapons cannot destroy the self. Fire can't burn it, nor can water wet it. The wind cannot dry it. It is changeless, all-pervasive, all-pervading, immovable, and eternal. Knowing that it is not an object of thought and not subject to change, you should not grieve. Even if you see the self caught in a constant cycle of births and deaths, you should not grieve. He's giving him another reason. Even if you see the self is caught in this cycle of births and deaths, you should not grieve because what is born dies, and what dies is reborn. Doesn't science tell us that matter or energy cannot be created or destroyed? Doesn't it say that? That's exactly the idea here. If you look at it from a material point of view, from the energy point of view, huh? There's no creation and no destruction. There's just eternal transformation of what this one consciousness in all these different forms and names. It is foolish to worry about what can't be changed. If there's something you can change that's causing you trouble, then change it. But if you can't change it, then it's really a waste of time to what? To worry about it. And we've already determined that neither one of these things can be changed. Matter is eternal. The objects are eternal. Constantly changing, transforming themselves. Huh? But you can't change them. Ishwara or Maya has created them and they're changing according to Ishwara's what? Will. And the self, you, consciousness can't be changed either. So. Pack it in, forget it, stop worrying. There's nothing to worry about. You're fine. It's all fine. That's all we touch saying. We said it all. That's it. That's the teaching. All beings are unmanifest in the beginning. Become Now he's going to explain this, the life cycle. And I think that's a good place for us to stop and take a break and uh, come back in a little while. And then we'll discuss how it is that things appear to be born and die, how the cosmic cycle works. I'm going to explain that next. That's the next topic. So take a break. Have a cup of tea. And we'll... Soldier on! <laughs> Thank you for listening to the talk of James Watts on the Bhagavad Gita, recorded at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. More information on shiningworld.com and yoga-vidya.org.